Well, good morning again, Oceanside Sanctuary. Thanks for joining us here on Facebook and YouTube for another online worship gathering. We miss seeing you guys all face to face, but we're doing our very best as a church to contribute to uh, the creation of healthier communities by not gathering, by not spreading the virus to each other and to other people. And we're gonna continue to do this for as long as we need to. We'll be putting out some information this week about when we are hoping to gather again face-to-face, but we wanna be as cautious as possible so that we aren't uh, potentially infecting people who can be very vulnerable. Today, what I wanna do is invite you to join with me as we explore our final uh, session of the spirituality of the resilience. We're gonna tackle our final topic around how to cultivate more resilience in our lives to become people who are spiritually deep and strong and wise and able to withstand difficult times like this. So I hope you will stick around. We're gonna take a look at a passage from Matthew chapter four. We're gonna take a look at how Jesus embodies this final characteristic of resilience. But before we do, would you just join with me in a word of prayer? God, we thank you so much for today and this opportunity for us to gather no matter where we might be. We ask that in these difficult and trying times that you would teach us as followers of Christ, teach us how to exhibit and embody the kind of spiritual resilience that you taught about and that you demonstrated in your work here on earth. We ask that you would teach us how to every day enter into the kinds of practices that would help us to be Uh, people of depth and character and wisdom so that we can be of use to others who are suffering in these difficult times. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today what I want to do is talk to you a little bit about the final topic in our series on how to cultivate more resilience in our lives. And in order to do that, I want to share with you just this passage from Matthew chapter 4. This is towards the beginning of Jesus's ministry in Matthew chapter 4. What we have here is uh, Jesus, of course, going out into the wilderness. He experiences the temptation uh, that we find depicted there at the beginning of Matthew chapter 4. This is before he begins his public ministry. We find that Satan is depicted there as tempting Jesus in a number of ways. And then immediately after that period of temptation, we find Jesus embarking on his public ministry. And I want to pick it up there in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 or we'll put the words up on the screen so that you can see it for yourselves. Uh, Matthew says this, As he, that is Jesus, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his name spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, 
those who were afflicted, various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. And what we have here in Matthew 4 at the end of this chapter is Jesus embarking in earnest on his public ministry after first experiencing that temptation in the wilderness. Then he calls the first of his disciples and he calls fishermen to leave their family businesses, to leave their boats, to leave their nets and to join him. And he says, come and follow me and I'll teach you how to fish for people. I'll teach you how to be fishers of men. And then they follow him. And immediately after that, we see Jesus having this sort of explosion of an incredibly effective public ministry that gets a lot of attention and draws a big crowd. And that begins, of course, the public ministry that we are all familiar with as followers of Christ. What I want to suggest to you is that this passage at the end of Matthew chapter 4 is the very best example that we have in the Gospels of Jesus not just being a religious leader, not just being a Messiah, not just being the anointed one who was sent by God to bring about the kingdom of God in some way, but what we have here is also the very best example of Jesus being a creative person. And that's our topic for today. My final uh, spiritual practice, the final spiritual exercise that I want to commend to you so that we can build resilience in our lives is that we engage in genuinely creative activity that produces new things in our lives and new things in the world. And now we don't often think of this kind of activity of Jesus, I think, as being creative. Rather, we might think of other things that Jesus did as creative activities, and they were. Like, for example, Jesus uh, spoke in parables. He, he told these amazing little stories that illustrated powerful truths about God and about the kingdom. And those stories were, were woven together in these really powerful images that stick with us, that cause us to ask uncomfortable questions and cause us to explore new ideas about God. And I think you can definitely say that that was an incredibly creative expression of Christ, for sure. And then over the last couple of weeks, I've also talked about something else that I think you could say was a very creative activity of Jesus, and that was his tendency to engage in these prophetic, dramatic acts. And I talked about how this is part of the Old Testament prophetic tradition, sort of engaging in these weird and wonderful like bodily acts that demonstrate some sort of truth or some sort of word from God to people in power. And I said that Jesus did this too. The specific example I used was Jesus and his disciples walking through the grain fields and picking the heads of grain and rubbing them between their hands, sort of like threshing wheat on the floor and then eating those kernels of grain. And I said that this was Jesus's very intentional prophetic act in order to critique the religious elite's misuse of the Old Testament law. I think you can also see Jesus's cleansing of the temple when I said, remember, he returns to Jerusalem and he enters in through the triumphal entry. And then the next thing we see is he goes to the temple and he creates a whip out of three cords and he, and he actually overturns the tables of those who are taking advantage of the poor in the temple during the Sabbath or the, during the, 
the uh, Passover weekend and taking advantage of those who have to buy animals to be sacrificed in the temple. Jesus overturns those temples. He uses that whip to literally scare people out of the temple, thereby putting those folks out of business, at least for that day. I think you could say that that is also a creative act. It's this dramatic act that signals something important about God and something important about the kingdom. But even those things, I think, pale in comparison to the raw creativity that Jesus expresses when he creates, literally creates this new movement, this new community of people. Because Jesus, of course, was a rabbi. He was a religious leader. And there was a particular way that rabbis went about creating their disciples or creating their schools where people would come and they would learn how to engage in the traditions of Judaism. They would learn how to grapple with the difficult questions of the text. And the way that those schools were created was not to go out to the lakes and to call the poor sons of fishermen who were unschooled, uneducated, part of sort of the the blue-collar working class of society. These are not the kinds of people that a respectable rabbi would choose to follow after him. In doing this, I think Jesus is being his most creative because he is literally rejecting the old way of creating a community of believers. And he is embarking on an entirely new, and I think most people at the, at the time would have said, sort of crazy way of creating a movement of God by calling the most disrespected people in the community to be among his disciples. It wasn't just fishermen that Jesus called. Jesus called tax collectors. He called women. He called people in the community who were considered to be reviled and sinful and beyond the pale of respectable religion. Jesus went to those very people to create this community that he would say embodied the kingdom of God. And those very people are the people he was referring to when he said, for example, blessed are the poor for the kingdom of God is theirs. These are the very people who accompanied him when he was uh, healing the sick, when he was casting out demons, when he was empowering them to do the same thing and sending them out into the community. He is engaging with entirely the wrong kinds of people. And in doing that, Jesus creates something entirely new. This, of course, shows us, I think, something really important about the act of creativity, that engaging in creative work has a kind of transformative effect on ourselves and potentially on the community around us. And we actually know that this is what creative work does for people who have experienced trauma and difficulty. In 2001, a study was done in New York uh, where a group of people took some New York college students immediately after 9-11 and they began to study this group of, of college students from New York in, in an effort to figure out like what the impact of positive emotions was on people who had experienced trauma of some kind. And in this study, uh, they conducted a survey of all the experiences and the emotions and the activities that this group of, of college students engaged in after 9-11 in 2001. And what they found was that those college students 
who very intentionally engaged in activities that were creative, that piqued their curiosity, that created a sense of wonder and a sense of joy in them. Those college students who did that, engaged in those sorts of creative activities, they were able actually to not only persevere and experience less negative emotions like depression, they experienced less depression than their peers did who did not engage in those kinds of activities. But more importantly, what this study found is that those college students who engaged in those sorts of joyful, creative activities, those activities that allowed them to pique their curiosity, they also were able to find some sort of positive meaning in the way that they coped with the trauma of 9-11. In other words, those college students who engaged in more creative activities were actually able to find meaning and purpose and fulfillment in the way that they engaged in their trauma and in the way that they healed from that trauma. So, of course, we already know that this is true. We know that people who experience negative things, difficult things, uh, traumatic things in their lives often find great relief when they engage in creative activity like writing or journaling or painting or, or gardening or doing woodworking or some other hobby that allows them to express their creative side. And I think that's actually exactly what Jesus is doing when his creativity is being expressed by engaging with this community of people and creating something new out of them. And I just wanna share with you three observations that I have about the way that Jesus engaged in his creative activity. And my first observation is that that creative activity was inspired. And what I mean by that is that Jesus was able to connect directly with God as a source of his inspiration for being creative. And I think we see this actually in Matthew chapter 4, prior to the portion that I read today. I think we see it when we see Jesus going out into the wilderness and fasting for 40 days so that he can be more closely connected to God, a sense of the Spirit of God, and then he's able to withstand the temptations and the trials that we see depicted here as the devil comes and tempts him. I think what we see happening there is Jesus is inspired to connect directly with the Spirit of God so that the Spirit of God can empower him to withstand the difficulties that he encounters. And I think the same thing happens when we engage in creative work of any kind. What we're doing when we are being creative is we are connecting directly with the source of inspiration that is good. We are connecting with God and God's Spirit, and that is filling us with a sense of the divine, and that enables us to persevere and thrive no matter what difficulties we're experiencing. The second thing that I think we see happening as Jesus engages in his creative activity of building this new community is that Jesus himself is liberated. And what I mean by that is Jesus, like I said earlier, was a rabbi, but Jesus went about building his community in a way that was very different than a typical traditional rabbi would have engaged in. And I think the same thing is true for people who engage in genuinely creative work. One of the byproducts of being creative and doing creative 
creative things is that we find ourselves liberated from old forms and liberated from old expectations and liberated from old ways of doing things. We literally become more free to tackle problems in a new way because stepping outside of ourselves by inspiration from the Spirit of God allows us to see things, to see the world, to see our challenges and our problems with an entirely new frame and a new perspective. Uh, brain scientists think that when we engage in creative work, the reason we have this sort of uh, experience of being able to see things in a new way is because when we're doing creative work, it produces alpha waves in our brain, which literally causes our brain to see old things in a new way. And in that way, we become liberated from old forms and old expectations. So we're not only inspired, but we're also personally liberated from old forms as well. And then the third thing that I think that happens when we see Jesus being creative and creating this new community of people is we see that not only is Jesus himself liberated, but that the disciples, those who follow him, they are liberated and ultimately transformed into something new. And I think that's essentially what we mean when we talk about being creative. What we're really talking about is when I create something new, whether that's a new piece of written work or a new painting or a new film or a new garden or a new table that I might build out of wood, whatever it is that I'm doing, there's a literal transformation happening. Something new is created in the world that didn't exist before. That is an incredibly powerful idea that somehow we are equipped and empowered to transform our world for the better. I think one of my favorite ways that this sort of creative activity has been described is by uh, this author whose name is Dorothy Sola. Dorothy Sola was a German uh, Lutheran theologian uh, who died a few years ago and uh, this is her way of describing how Jesus engages with the gospel in a way that is genuinely disruptive and genuinely creative. I want to read this quote to you. Dorothy Sola says this, But Jesus did not conceive of the world according to a model of completed order, which persons were merely required to maintain. The world he entered had not yet reached perfection. It was alterable. In fact, it awaited transformation. Schemes of order in Jesus' words were utterly destroyed. Great and small, scholar and child, riches and poverty, knowledge of the law and ignorance, Jesus did everything in his power to relativize these orders and set free the persons caught up in these schemes. This process of liberation is called gospel. Now, one of the things I love about that quote is how Sola captures this idea that the essence of the gospel is that Jesus enters into the world not to maintain the status quo, not to preserve things the way that they are, not to simply keep things running according to the same order, according to the same form. No, Jesus enters in to all of these schemes, these social constructs, these social orders, and he utterly and completely 
disrupts them. He utterly and completely deconstructs them to the point where people are liberated from their bondage to those schemes, to those orders. Jesus creates something entirely new that we are liberated to inhabit freely and creatively as created beings. And Sola calls that the gospel. I think that is an incredibly apt description of what it means to be a creative person, to enter into the world and see it as something that still has yet to be formed and still has yet to, by the power of the Spirit of God, transformed for something good. And I think that builds incredible resilience in us as we become people who are able to be creative in that way. One of my favorite things about the fact that we can see Jesus as a creative person is that it unleashes in us all kinds of possibilities for being creative. Oftentimes when we think about people being creative, we think about very traditional art forms like uh, drawing or painting, or maybe we think of filmmakers, or maybe we think of authors, but there are as many different ways of being creative as there are people in this world, and you, as a created person of God, are creative in your own way. Our joyful, wonderful opportunity is to learn how God has called us to be creative and therefore transform the world for good. Today, as we end, I want to encourage you to spend time this week reflecting on how God has called you to be creative. Maybe you're very comfortable with the idea of being, of being creative. Maybe you have very specific creative activities that you engage in. This week, I want to encourage you, if you're feeling stressed and anxious and overburdened and overwhelmed by what's happening in the world, I want to encourage you to engage in those creative activities. And as you do, pay attention to how God is inspiring you, how God is liberating you, and how God is helping you to transform the world for the better. If you're the kind of person that hasn't necessarily seen yourself as creative, if you haven't seen yourself as somebody who is artsy or, or you know, creative in a traditional way, I want to encourage you to pray and think this week and reflect and maybe even ask those around you how it is that you are a creative person maybe in different ways, in non-traditional or unusual ways, ways that will liberate you to begin to engage in the kind of creative work that God might be calling you to engage in so that you also can gain the benefit of cooperating with God to create something new in this world, because that involves all of us, I think. I want to thank you guys for joining us this morning. I just want to ask that you would pray with me as we wrap it up this morning and uh, complete our worship. I hope that you will join us next week as we kick off a new teaching series here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you again for today. We ask that you would bless everybody who is connecting here today, wherever they might be, wherever they are tuning in from or uh, connecting with us on Facebook or YouTube. We ask that you bless each and every one of us with a sense of what it means to be inspired and connected to your spirit so that we can engage in the kind of creativity that helps us to transcend the traumas and the difficulties of our world and become agents of transformation for your good work. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.